Hello. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. We hope that you will be encouraged and it builds your faith. Thanks for listening. We're going to read one verse of scripture in Isaiah 45, and then we're going to turn back over to uh, Acts chapter 9. And uh, Acts chapter 9, and we're going to read a few verses in Acts chapter 9. I'm going to do a little bit of exegesis preaching this morning, or expository preaching this morning, and uh, not so much uh, point preaching or exegesis preaching, but I'm going to do some expository preaching this morning. And I'm just going to allow the Lord to lead me through these passages of Scripture, and uh, we're going to just go through them and allow Lord, Lord to speak to us this morning. Well, if you've gotten there, Isaiah chapter 45, I want to read verse 3, and then we're going to turn over to the book of Acts chapter 9. Isaiah 45 in verse 3, it says, I will give you treasures of darkness and hidden riches in the secret place, of the secret place, that you may know that I, the Lord, who called you by name, am the God of Israel. I will give you the treasures of darkness and hidden riches of the secret place. Now, if you turn over to the book of Acts chapter 9, and uh, the book of Acts chapter 9, this is the passage of Scripture that my Sunday school teacher was teaching and preaching on the morning I gave my life to Christ, the morning I made a fresh commitment and totally surrendered my life to Christ here in Acts 9. It's a special passage of Scripture to me. I have only preached this passage a couple of times in my life, but uh, it holds dear to my heart and is one of the great passages in all the Word of God. Acts chapter 9, it said, Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus so that he, that he found that if he found any who were of the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Verse 3, And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said to him, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. So he, trembling, astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? And then the Lord said to him, Arise and go into the city, and you will be told there what you must do. And the men who journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice but seeing no one. Then Saul rose from the ground, and he went. His eyes were opened, and he saw no one. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus, and he was three days without sight, and neither ate nor drank. I want to talk a little bit this morning on out of the darkness and into the light. In Isaiah 45, that great passage of Scripture that I read to you earlier, the the prophet promises us and actually proclaims in this passage that there are treasures in darkness and hidden riches in secret places. That is what Isaiah has said. In other words, God has places where he has put treasures that no one knows about. In other words, God has secret places, places where treasures are hid 
that no one knows about. Matter of fact, in the book of Genesis, when the flood came, and the flood came, the Bible said it began to rain 40 days and 40 nights. But what the Bible did tells us is that God broke up the springs and the waters and the cisterns of the deep, which were down below that came up. They were pockets of water that no one knew about. In other words, God had pockets of in other words, God had pockets of water that were released that no one even knew. See, this tells us that there are blessings that God has, pockets of blessings that no one knows where they are. We are, uh, when he gets ready to bless you, and it can come from anywhere. He can bless you from the north, the south, the east, and from the west. He can use friend, he can use foe, he can use enemy. He can use the unexpected place, and he can use places in which you did not even know blessings could come from. Why? Because God has treasures in darkness and has riches in hidden and secret places. Because God has the ability to bless us when he decides to bless us. Jesus said this in the scripture. He said that we are to work while it is day because the hour is coming when no man can work. In other words, Jesus said that while it is day, we shall work because darkness is coming. And no man is going to be able to work. But even though darkness comes, the Bible doesn't say that God can't work. And it's in the darkness sometimes that God works. God works. He doesn't need the support of his surroundings in order to survive like most of us do. In other words, the Bible said that Jesus was a root that broke forth out of dry ground. In other words, uh, I can bring things forth supernaturally. I can defy the natural in order to produce what I want to produce, God says. He said Jesus came forth out of dry ground. In other words, he was a root that came forth. In other words, he can cause something to spring forth even in drought. I can bless you in any situation. I can provide for you at any moment. In other words, I'm God and there's no other beside me, he says. In other words, I am God and there's no other that is like me. Do you all know God wasn't voted in? God wasn't, wasn't appointed? God wasn't asked to be? Uh, uh, he can't be removed? He wasn't put in place? God is God. He's always been God. And he will always be God. He was God before there was time. He was God before your first hallelujah. He was God before the first thing was put on the earth before the light was created, before the earth was created, before any beast of the field was made, before anything existed, there was God. He is God. He's always been God. And therefore, because he is God, he can work in ways and he can produce uh, riches out of hidden places and treasures in the most darkest places of the earth. If God is coming to bring us out of darkness and into the light, if truly God's work is to bring you and I out of darkness and into the light, to bring the church out of darkness and into the light, we must first understand what darkness is. In other words, we must understand what darkness is. Some people are afraid of the dark. I don't know about you, but growing up, uh, my children, uh, my one daughter was a scared of the dark. She always had to have a light on in order to go to sleep because when she was sleeping, she always saw things that were not there in the dark. Maybe some, some of you had imaginary things in the dark. 
Maybe you've been afraid of the dark. Maybe you've been afraid of the dark. But the dark, but darkness is not a thing. Darkness is the absence of a thing. Darkness is the absence of light. It's the absence of something that we recognize. In other words, darkness is not a thing because it's not quantifiable. In other words, you can't measure darkness. Darkness is not a thing, and it's the absence of something. Now, light, for instance, uh, is a thing because it's quantifiable. In other words, we can measure light. Light can be felt. We can be touched by light. We can be, light can be measured. In other words, we can determine light's brightness, its lumens, and how bright it is. We can say things came at us at the speed of light. In other words, light can be measured. So darkness is not something that can be measured. Darkness is the absence of something. It's the absence of a thing. In other words, experience darkness is when uh, we go through something and there's the absence of something. So we can, we can uh, say, we use the term, boy, that was dark, dark. It, it's, it's, what we, it's what we don't have that makes it dark. In other words, we say that that was a dark season in my life. It was a dark season because something that, something that we uh, lacked in that season or something that was not there. We say that because we recognize the absence of something. That was a dark season in my life because of the lack or the loss or the, the lack of the presence of something that was needed. You can have the absence of something and it can be, uh, and it can, it can, we can qualify it as being dark even though you're in a room that is lit. In other words, darkness can be something. If it's the absence of something, you could be around light and be in a room with light, but there's still darkness there because the darkness is not a thing. It's the absence of something that is in our life. Darkness is a void. It's an emptiness. Science says it like this. It says it is an ambiguous existence, existence of place. By I can, say, I can see my, that I can't see my way clear. In other words, darkness's definition has, in other words, it's being in the place where you cannot see your way clearly. It's an ambiguous existence. It's the absence of something where you cannot see your way clearly. In other words, darkness really has no power and no light or heat. In other words, it's, it, it's, it's the absence of power. It's the absence of heat and light. How many of us have experienced darkness because of, of what isn't there? In other words, it can be as painful as what is there. The absence of something can be just as painful in our life as it is the things that are there. The absence of something can, can take us into dark places in our life because the absence of something in our life, something we are, have lost or something that we have experienced. But we live in this world, this fast-paced world, this Facebook world, YouTube world, this world that everybody wants to be seen and everybody has to be seen. But I'm telling you, the best thing that God produces in our lives have not been born while we are out in the light, but while we have walked through dark places in our life. Not only do we uh, uh, have we we know that darkness is the absence of something, but with second we must understand that God produces His greatest work in the dark. It's in darkness that God produces His greatest work. In other words, 
it's like the, the old cameras and where you had to go and develop films. I brought one this morning. This is an old camera. Y'all remember the day when you had to take these, this camera and you had to drive the, the right aid or you had to drive? Uh, we had, in our day, we had, uh, well, I say my day, uh, when I was a kid, there was the photo bug. You drove by the photo bug and you dropped off your camera or you dropped off your thing of film. I have a little thing of film here like this. How long has it been since you've seen something like that? And we had to wait a week for our picture. Could you imagine our world in this hour if you had to wait a week for your pictures now in this instantaneous Facebook, uh, Instagram uh, page world? Could you imagine the anxiety in people's life if they had to develop film today to wait and have it developed? In other words, uh, in those old cameras, you had to develop that film and they had to be developed in the dark. Now, my mom, for over 30 years, worked for a photo finishing plant, and she worked for a place where they, where they had developed film. Her job was is that she was quality control. In other words, she had to make sure that all the exposures of the film was developed right, that the colors were right, that the pictures of their eyes, and that it was developed correctly, and that it was done correctly. My stepfather worked for Kodak for many years, and he was a, a, a serviceman, an engineer, a service engineer, where he would fix the very machines that would develop the films. And so the process of that, which was developed, was developed in darkness that it might be shown in the light. In other words, when you expose this film, the way to see this film, it first had to be exposed in the darkness, it had to be developed in the darkness, and if you gave it too much light too soon, you would ruin the exposure. In other words, what are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying this because it was more, it was more, it was made ready in the dark. Many of us, God has developed us in the dark seasons of our life. God has produced in us. It's the time when he has produced us or made us. It's the dark seasons. It's the time in darkness, the times and the absence of something that God has built in our life, that God has developed our life. It's in those moments that God does the greatest work. The greatest work that God does is not through you, but it's in you when he developed you. And sometimes in order to develop you, God has to take you through dark places. That is what Isaiah is saying in Isaiah 45. He's saying that there are treasures that come out of the darkness and there are hidden riches that come out of the secret place. In other words, God says, I do my best work in people's lives when people sometimes walk through dark places. In other words, God does his best work in the dark. And what he, and what he develops in you is far more important than what he does through you. But he can't use you until first he develops you. You cannot see the pictures of, this, of, this, of, of these, these photos until first they've been developed. They cannot be seen or used or benefit the one who has it until first it goes through the development of the darkness. And I'm here to tell you that you'll never be used of God until first you allow God to develop you and to make you and to mold you and to take you through dark seasons of your life where he matures you and makes you and molds you and develops you in his life. 
in your life. I'm here to tell you God wants to use you, but God does his best work in dark places. And God, in other words, uh, produces his greatest work in the dark. And I'm telling you, you may say, well, pastor, I feel like I'm in the dark. That's all right this morning because being in the dark is a good place because it's where God is making you and molding you this morning. In other words, you say, well, prove that God has done his best work in dark places. Well, you don't have to go too far, but to look at Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1, it said, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without void, and darkness covered, covered the face of the deep. And the Bible said, then the Spirit of God moved on the darkness. In other words, if you're going through a dark place, a void place right now, a place of absence right now, Darkness is the emptiness of something, and it doesn't, and it doesn't, uh, and it doesn't uh, uh, stop God from moving. In other words, just because you're in a dark season doesn't mean that God is moving. God is 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 God said, "Let there be light," and there was light. In other words, God brought something out of the darkness. There's a time when God. Will, will bring what he developed in the darkness out of you into the light. And you know what God calls that? He calls that treasures that are found in darkness, and it's called the riches, in other words, the hidden riches that are found in secret places. God uses the dark in order to develop us. God has always used the dark. He's always used the dark to bring the hidden riches of secret places. Darkness runs when light is exposed. Soon as light is exposed, darkness flees because it's not a thing. It's an absence. The Bible says, the entrance of thy word giveth light. In other words, we, there's other things that are developed in darkness. Childbirth is developed in darkness. The seed of a man is, uh, is, 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 comes into a woman and the incubation of a child is done in the dark. It was when God put Adam to sleep and in the, when he slept, as he slept in the dark, that God pulled the rib out of him and created woman and pulled out of him what he really did not know what was in him. I'm here to tell you that in the darkness, God pulls that which is out of you that you did not know was hidden inside of you and pulls it out of you and creates something that is compatible for you. In other words, God does his best work in the dark. In other words, God still has some stuff in you and, and that uh, he, you didn't know was in you. And if God desires to pull, put you in the darkness, it's because he's about ready to pull something out of you that you didn't know was there. You didn't realize you had it in you. But when you walk through that dark place, all of a sudden you realize that there's something that is in you that God developed in you you didn't even realize was there. And you ought to be thankful for the dark moments, the dark places that God walks us into because God does not waste no experience in our life and he'll take the dark places to bring something out of you that was hidden in you. But when if he's going to pull it out of you, he's going to use it in you. And if he pulls it out of you, it's going to be to benefit what he's doing through you. Hallelujah. I think about the moment we're in as the church, as we are being quarantined. It feels like the church is in a dark place. We feel like we're in a dark place, a dark season in our nation and in our country. We feel like the church is in somewhat of a dark place. We feel like we're in that place. 
Because God is getting ready to pull something out of the church that the church did not know was there. God in this season of darkness and in this season of plague, in this season when we feel like things uh, are, there's the absence of things in our life. There's the absence of freedom and going, of doing what we treasure to do. There's the absence of relationships. There's the absence of fellowship. There's the absence of of being able the freedom to go and do everything we want to do. But in that absence, in this darkness, in this season, when the church can't meet, when the church can't physically come to a building, I'm here to tell you that it's in this moment, in this season, in this dark season, God is getting ready to pull something out of the church. There's some hidden treasures on the inside of the church that God on the other side, when things come to light, all of a sudden God is going to pull those hidden treasures God is going to pull those hidden riches that have been hidden down inside the church that that the trial and that darkness is now going to release in the church and it's going to flow through this world and there's going to be aspects and attributes that's going to be a part of the body of Christ that we have not seen yet be exposed. There's going to be giftings revealed. There's going to be anointing that's going to flow. There's going to be miracles and signs and wonders that are going to flow out of the church. Why? Because in this season of darkness there are treasures that God is reaching down into the depths of the body of the church and he is pulling out and he is going to release them into a world that needs Christ and the hidden riches and provision that is coming when the light comes the entrance of thy word is light hallelujah I feel like preaching this morning if I could just have a minute Uh, we turn and we say, I didn't know that that was there. I didn't know that that was in me. We come out on the other side and say, I didn't know I was that strong. I didn't know that was on the inside of me. I didn't know all of that unrealized potential was in me. I I I I thought I was who the devil said I was. I thought I was a loser. I thought I was a nobody. I thought I was worthless. I thought I was a failure and that I was a reject. I thought that, that, that I was who the devil said I was, but God took me and put me in the dark and placed me in a place, in that dark place. And in that dark place, all of a sudden, he started pulling out of me treasures that was in me that has always been there, but it's only taken the darkness in order to pull them out of me. Hallelujah, somebody. Some of you are coming out of the darkness and into the light. The church is coming out of the shade, of the darkness, of the plague, of this coronavirus. And we're going to step into the light of the living word and the light of God. And the church will not be the same. Because seed was designed to be produced in the darkness. You hear what I'm saying? Seed was designed to flow in the darkness. Seed was designed to be developed in the darkness. You say, well, prove that to me in scripture. I'll be happy to. The work of the cross was done in darkness. The Bible said that at noon that the earth was full of darkness, came over over the earth. And of the cross, the work, the greatest work of the cross was not done 
visibly on earth. The greatest work of the cross was done when Jesus was put in that tomb and for three days he went down into the darkness of the earth into hell and took back the grave and the keys of death and life and Jesus went in and defeated Satan and went in and took the authority that was lost by man. He did that while he laid in that tomb. He was down into the earth setting men captive, setting captivity free, setting free the Old Testament men. And the Bible said that when he rose on the third day, he rose again on that Easter Sunday morning. He became the first fruit of many out of the darkness of death into a resurrected life. How many of you thank God for the resurrected life? Because what happens is, is that when darkness attacks, when darkness comes, there is a resurrection that God wants to do. Jesus' greatest work was done in that darkness. And we he became the first fruits of many, the Bible says. And I'm telling you, there's a day when we who are believers, when we pass away and die and fall asleep and lay in that grave, I'm here to tell you there's a day when we shall be resurrected. There shall be a resurrection. Why? Because death no longer has a hold on us. The darkness of the enemy, what the devil used to try to destroy us, has been broken by Christ and he had broke it and now that darkness now has no hold on us and the treasure of the resurrection that is in us comes to life. The Bible says greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. The Bible also says this, that the same Christ, the same God, the same spirit that rose Christ from the dead lives inside of you. You know what that tells me? That tells me that the light of the world lives in you and when you walk in darkness, that light in you pulls out of you the treasures and the riches that God has put on the inside of you. Hallelujah. Help me this morning, God. In other words, in order for seed has to be planted because it's in the privacy of darkness that that seed goes through a metamorphosis. It's in that darkness that that seed becomes something that suddenly, after a while, it breaks through into the light. You can't just put seed on the shelf. You can't just set seed on the shelf. This is seed that someone, a farmer in our church, had given me. And these are beans And these are seeds, they're alive, but these seeds will never produce until first they have been put in a dark place, until first they've been put in the earth. And it's in the dark place of that earth that this seed begins to bust forth and begins to grow in that darkness. And when you see the sprout of this seed, you'll know that there was a metamorphosis that took place in the absence, in the moment of that darkness. I'm here to tell you that when you begin to spring forth in light and God begins to use you, what we see being exposed or what we see being done is not something that was developed in the light. It was something that God pushed out of the darkness of your life. Hallelujah. Thank God for the darkness that's in our lives. God changed me. God, through revelation, developed me. Gave me the things I needed for life in the darkness. He brought forth only the results that could only be developed in the dark. The Bible says weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. God is giving the church a moment of time 
where God right now is developing us. God right now is developing us in this season as a church. And there's a development that is going on right now. But I'm here to tell you that we're going to come out, and when we come out of the darkness into the light, there is going to be treasures that have been found that we did not even know that we had. God entered a covenant with Abraham, and he put him to sleep. And then when he put him to sleep, he made that covenant with him in Genesis 15. That the effects of that covenant that, that Abraham had, God said, this will not only affect you, but it will affect your children and your children's children. In other words, you have to understand something this morning. Everything that you go through is not about you. Everything, every battle you go through is not about you. Sometimes it's about those who come after you. Sometimes it's about breaking the curses of generations that have flowed through your family so that they don't reach those that have come after you. Sometimes God takes the church in the darkness so that we, when we come out, there are treasures that are passed on to the next generation. Everything that God takes us through is not always about us. I know we live in this me, me, me generation that says I've got to be, it's got, I've got to have all the attention. But I'm here to tell you what God is taking you through may not always be about you, but it may be about those who come after you, those who you minister to, those who follow you, those who watch you, those who see you. God is bringing treasures and riches out of darkness so that you can be seen, not so that it's the light is on you, but that the light, the Bible said in Isaiah 45, so that all may know that I am your God. Hallelujah this morning. Praise God, I'm beginning to lose my voice. And everybody said amen. <laughs> and later you'll testify. You will say, it was good that I had been afflicted. You will testify, had I not been afflicted, I would never have been I would never have seen the glory of God. Had I not gone through that darkness, I would not have seen the glory of God. Let me tell you that God's best work's done in darkness, but understand this too. You have to understand that God brought Abraham out of Abram. God brought Sarah out of Sarai. That God brought Israel out of Jacob. That God brought Paul out of Saul. I'm here to tell you that when they came out on the other side of the darkness they walked through, God changed their name. And the darkness didn't define them, it developed them. And I'm here to tell you that if you're watching this morning and you're walking through a time of darkness, this darkness will not define you. It will not be that which overtakes you. It will be not be that which swallows you or destroys you. But I'm here to tell you that the darkness that you're walking through, the challenges that you're walking through is developing you. They're not destroying you because there's going to be a time when God changes and switches that thing and that darkness which you had walk through. God is going to pull the treasure out of that time and the riches out of that time. And when you walk back out again into the light, those treasure will be seen and people will say only God could have done that in his life or in her, her life. That brings me to this passage in Acts chapter 9. And I'm going to finish up here real quickly. 
I just want you to see a couple of things here in Acts chapter 9. We read through this passage. This is the scripture that I got saved on. March 1st, 1987. Antioch Baptist Church, 1411 Antioch Road, Johnson City, Tennessee, 37650, Classroom 102, Paul Garland, preaching on Acts 9, 10 minutes till 11 on a Sunday morning. I knelt and gave my life to Jesus. Here the Bible tells us about the apostle, about Saul, who eventually became the apostle Paul. As he is traveling, Saul was just not any man. Saul was a man who was, who was an intellectual man. He would have been known in the gates of the city. He would have been known as a great thinker. He would have been, he would have been one that had been educated and set at the feet of a great scholar, Gamiel. And he was known, uh, he would have known all of the philosophy of, uh, of uh, Aristotle and Socrates. He would, he, some say Paul spoke five languages. He was respected by all of those. uh, He was respected for his intelligence. He was a powerful man. He was a Pharisee among Pharisee. Paul said he was a Pharisee among Pharisee. You know why he said that? When it came to religion, Paul was zealous for Judaism. He was zealous for religion. But not only did he say he was a Pharisee of Pharisee, he was a Pharisee of Pharisee because he came from the tribe of Benjamin. The tribe of Benjamin is of the order of the kings. It is what King Saul came from. His name Saul was a surname that was given to him that showed the notability that said that he was somebody and that by his surname Saul recognized the fact that he had influence in somebody. He was also a young man who learned from a young age how religion worked. His religion was killing Christians. The Bible said as a young man he held the coat of those who stoned the great deacon Stephen, that, they, that he held that. And because he saw that, that had a great impact on Saul's life. He saw the world through the spirit of religion and saw the world through that religion. Early seeing Christians being killed and the hatred that sometimes come that the religion brings. Religion can cause men to be killed. Don't act so surprised. Religion when it is misused, is a violent thing. We know how it is in the Middle East. We know how some religions will kill and destroy and mutilate and persecute and destroy people if they don't think like they think. I'm here to tell you that, that, that Christ did not come to give us religion, but Christ came to give you and I relationship. That is why someone who has a relationship with God sometimes can be attacked by those who are just religious, who want to just shut them up and kill them. Christ Christ came so that we would not have to be religious. He was opposed by the religious leaders, but he was loved by the sinner. And as a little boy, Paul held these beliefs, but now as a man, he began to act out those things he was taught. And now we see Saul as he comes forward. You know, Saul was a terrorist. Really, he was. He terrorized and persecuted and killed Christians. 
Matter of fact, later in the book of Acts, there's a scene where Paul comes into a synagogue and he has to be rescued by the Roman soldiers because they accuse Paul of being a terrorist and a riot breaks out in the synagogue and the Roman soldiers have to protect Paul and pull him out to keep him from being mobbed. Beware of peoples whose ministry is defined by who they are against. Beware of people who always want to preach against somebody, who always want to tear ministries down and tear other people down. Beware of people that the only thing they're known by is what they preach against, who they're against, who they don't like, who they want to destroy, who they want to to nullify. But I'm here to tell you that Saul was on his way. He had the papers. He had the authority. He was on his way. And he was telling, he was looking for Christians. He was looking to destroy them. And while he was on his way to do more killing, while he was on his way, the book of Acts 9 verse 1 tells us that he had been breathing threats and murders against the disciples of the Lord. He got papers from the high priest that when he captured them, whether it be man or woman, that he was going to chain them and bring them back to Jerusalem to either be tortured or destroyed or to be killed. But while he was on the way, the Bible said he was yet a little way from Damascus, and God, it says, and God stopped him. How many are thankful? In other words, God stopped him. Now I'm here to tell you this morning, there's a lot we can be thankful for. We can be thankful for everything God has provided in our life, what God has given us, what God has done for us. We can testify all day long about it. But I want to tell you there's another aspect of who God is, and it's what God has stopped in our lives. God has stopped some things. How many are thankful for what you could have happened in your life? What God stopped that was coming to destroy you, that was coming to kill you, that was coming to overtake you. How many are thankful that God stopped that thing that was coming to try to destroy you? Those Christians in Damascus, when God stopped Paul, they stopped Paul's mission to destroy them. I know this morning that I stand here this morning thanking God for what could have happened in my life, that God stopped the depression. God stopped the suicide. God stopped the fear. God stopped the anguish. God stopped it. In other words, you and I this morning are almost folks. We almost could have died. We almost could have fainted. We almost could have been destroyed. We almost could have been lost. We almost could have lost our mind. But thank God when the enemy had us in his jaws, when like the lion and the bear, when David was watching the field, would have the shepherd a sheep in his mouth. The Bible said David ran and he opened that lion's mouth and took that sheep out. That's exactly what God did for us. We can be thankful for what God's did this morning, but how many are thankful for what did not happen in your life that should have happened in your life? How many are thankful for what God stopped in your life? Woo! I can begin to think about that of where I'd be today without Jesus. Where would you be today without Jesus? Where would you be today without Christ? Where would you be today had God not stopped the darkness? Had God not stopped the, the avenger of blood? Had God not stopped the one that was coming to overtake you? Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. But God ripped you just like a shepherd that shepherds his sheep. God ripped you out of the jaws of the lion and the bear and gave you life. I'm telling you, this was a light, and verse 4 says, that hit Saul, that knocked him to his feet, that he fell to the ground. 
that he came to the ground. He said, who is this, Paul said. This great light shined about him. And Paul said, who is this, Lord? He said, I am Jesus whom you persecute. Now, I want you to see this in the language here. Paul said, who is this? And then he said, Lord. Well, the word there really means Paul knew who Jesus was. He never met Jesus, but I'm sure he saw Jesus. I'm sure Paul saw Jesus. He never met Jesus, but I know that he saw him. And so when he fell off his horse, that great light shined, and he looked up and said, who is this? And then all of a sudden, the revelation of who was before him, Saul had a revelation and he saw Jesus himself. He said, who is this? He said, I am Jesus whom you persecute. Now, we don't read a word in Scripture of Paul ever persecuting Jesus. He never said a thing about Jesus, but he persecuted Christians. But Jesus said, Saul, I am who you persecute. In other words, Paul never attacked Jesus, but he attacked those that belonged to Jesus. You know what this tells me in Scripture? That though Paul taught, attacked the believer, he was also attacking Jesus. You know what that tells me? That tells me that when you touch God's people, you're touching God. That tells me when you persecute what belongs to God, then you are touching God. In other words, that tells me this, this morning, that the battle belongs to the Lord this morning. The battle belongs to him. In time of trouble, he is with us. In time of trouble, he fights for us. In time of trouble, it means that God is the one who fights on our behalf. In other words, it tells you this this morning, that we are never left alone. You are never left alone this morning. You're not alone this morning. Because when the enemy comes after you, it is though he is coming after Jesus. He said, Paul, why do you persecute me? In other words, by Paul wanting to lay his hands on, on the believers in Christ, he was laying his hands on Jesus. I love it this morning. The Bible tells us that a great light had shined. It was a light that was greater than the noonday. We know it was at noontime that the height of the light of the day was shining, but yet there was a light, a glorious light that was greater than what the noonday light was. So strong it knocked Saul to the ground. He went blind and it was dark. And in that darkness, in that darkness, but even though Saul was blind, it was not over. Even though he was in darkness, it was not over. Even though he was at the moment he was blind, it was not over. I'm here to tell you that when darkness comes upon you, that when you feel like you're walking blind, I'm here to tell you it's not over. It's not over. It's not finished. God is not done. I'm here to tell you that even though it's just a season, it may be a season that there's the absence of what you need or the absence of something, it's not over. Some of you in the middle of darkness right now need to say, it's not over. You need to look at your problem and say, it's not over. You need to look at your circumstance and say, it's not over. You need to look at your enemy and say, it's not over. And I know you feel the darkness. I know you feel the blindness, the fogginess of being led. I know you sense the sense of darkness, but I'm here to tell you this morning, it's not over. And I know we're quarantined. And I know this seems to be a season of darkness for the church. But I'm here to tell you this morning, it's not over. It's not over. God is not done using the church. It's not over this morning. There is a day when we come out of the darkness and into the light. And the treasures that were found in darkness shall be used in the light. 
Woo, I wish somebody was here to help me preach this morning. Glory to God. He went blind and he was in the dark. In other words, so for God to create treasures in the darkness, to bring forth hidden riches in secret places, he had to take away the light in Saul's life. Someone asked Helen Keller one time, they said, Helen Keller, we're so sorry that you're blind. We're so sorry that you are helpless. And we're sorry that you have to go through this blindness. She turned to them and she said this. She said, it is better to be blind than to have, than to have sight and no vision. In other words, what she's saying is, you can, be, you can see but still not see. You can have sight but still not have vision. In other words, she was saying she was making a clear distinction between, between insight and between eyesight. Eyesight is not insight. Eyesight is not insight. Paul said it like this. I love what Paul later said about this very experience. Paul said in Galatians 1.15, he said, he said, I was separated from my mother's womb. God called me through his grace and was pleased to reveal his son. Now listen to what he says. Reveal his son in me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles. In other words, what Paul said, he didn't reveal him to me. He not only revealed him to me, Paul said he revealed him in me. In other words, Paul didn't just have an out-of-the-body eye experience of Jesus. He had an inward encounter with Jesus. There was an inward revelation that came upon Paul that revealed who was on the inside of him. God was, pre was reaching inside of Paul and getting ready to pull out the treasures that was in him. In other words, God was doing more pulling out of him the treasures that was in him. In other words, God got away from eyesight because sometimes our eyesight informs us of our circumstances and reveals only to us what is around us, not what is in us. The key to my destiny is not what is around me, but what God has put in me. The key to my eyesight is not what was around me, but what God has put in me. What God has put on the inside of me is the key to, in other words, what is insight? Insight is revelation. In other words, that was formed in the darkness, in the trial, in the hardship, in the adversity. By looking around me, I only see my circumstances. But if I, get, if I let God work in me, then I have hope. You say, well, where's the scripture for that? I'll tell you. It says, give every man an answer for the hope that is in you. I said the hope that is in you. In other words, that you don't look on the outward circumstances to help determine your faith. In other words, it's what God has put in you that determines your faith. In other words, be ready to give a man every answer for the hope that is in you. I got another scripture for it. It says the just shall live by faith and not by sight. How many are thankful you don't live by sight this morning, but you live by faith? 
I got another scripture for you. The substance of things hoped for is the evidence of things not seen. In other words, the the hope that is in you, the work that is in you is not always seen, but it is seen. The work is done in the darkness. The work is done in the trial. The work is done in the hardship and the adversity. But the treasure comes out and it's acted out in faith. So when we act in faith, it is a result of what God has taken us through that has built something in us to give us the faith to live. The just shall live by faith and not by sight. Woo! Glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm almost done. I'm almost done for those of you that are having a hard time hanging on. The church needs to learn that in days like we're living in, We need to shut our eyes and to see that we see that we turn on our insight to what we believe. We don't turn our eyes. Listen, this hour you live in, you can't be living by what you see. You're going to have to turn the revelation that is on on the inside of you. The revelation of what you believe. The revelation of what is in you. I'm telling you, you've got to live by faith. You've got to live by faith that is in you. How did that faith get in you? It got in you through those struggles, through the dark times, through the hard times. That's how it got in you. And times like this, when there's darkness all around, it's time to take those treasures that were born in you in those times and pull them out so that your actions are actions of faith and you're not responding to what you see, but you're living by what you know and what you believe this morning. I'm telling you, the whole world could be burning. The whole world could be crashing. I'm telling you, outside of my eyesight, I could see the world coming to an end. But I'm here to tell you that on the inside of me is someone who is greater than all the world. And up to the end, I will live by faith this morning. Woo! Glory to God. I wish I could express this, how I feel this in my heart this morning. Now look at verse 7. The Bible said in verse 7, It said, and the men who journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice. And look what it says. But seeing no one. You see that? Now that word there, seeing, in the Greek, comes from a Greek word that where we get the English word theater. It's theorego in the Greek. It's theorego. And it means this. It means a spectator. In other words, the eye is open, but they see nothing. In other words, the men that were with Paul, they heard a voice, but they saw nothing. They heard a voice, but they saw nothing. They were a spectator to what was happening. They was like in a theater. They were watching it being played out in front of them, but they saw nothing. They saw nothing with their eyes. They saw nothing with their spirit. But I want you to look at this word when the Bible says here in this verse, in verse 8, it said, Then Saul rose from the ground, And when his eyes were open, listen, Paul was blinded, but the scripture says his eyes were open. Are you hearing that this morning? The Bible says his eyes were open, but the Bible also says in the natural, he was blinded. What does that mean? Well, that's a different Greek word for seeing. It means to see. It means to have a mental understanding or a vision In other words, it's to see without physical sight. That's why Paul said in Galatians of the scripture I just read you, that God separated me from my mother's womb in order that he he revealed himself in me. In other words, what was God doing? 
God was working on the inside of Saul. He's in darkness. He's in blindness. But the work that is being done is not being done by what Paul sees with his eyes. It's by what is going on in the inside of Paul. Paul is getting a revelation. He's getting an understanding. He's getting a vision. He's not physically seeing, but he's having a spiritual revelation about him on the inside. And it took the darkness and the blindness of the hour in order to get Paul's attention. That's why in Isaiah, when we can rejoice this morning, that out of the darkness come the treasures of darkness. And there are hidden hidden riches. Woo! In the secret place. Somebody help me this morning. I'm about ready to get really happy. They grab, listen. The men saw but didn't see. Paul couldn't see, but he saw everything. Woo! Glory to God. Are you understanding this this morning? You could be in a dark place and the fog sight of the natural life could be fog. But on the inside of you, God could be downloading the revelation of where you are. That's what God's doing in this season for the church. He is revealing to us the treasures that is in us. He is revealing in you and I the hidden riches. Woo! Come on. Next time you go through darkness... You better rejoice because you better understand that all God's doing is digging in and pulling out the treasures and the riches that is in you. Don't ever mock God or curse God in the midst of your darkness anymore or the midst of your adversity or the midst of your trouble. Why? Because God is teaching you something. He's pulling something out of you. He's giving birth to something in you that can be seen later in the light. Woo, my God. Hallelujah. How can, listen, you, you say, well, give me an example. I'll give you an example. The Bible said Mary, the Lord appeared, the angel appeared to Mary and said, Mary, you are going to conceive with a child. And this is what Mary said. She said, how can these things be seen? I have not known a man. In other words, with her natural eyes, she says, how can this be? She looked at her circumstances and said, this in the natural cannot be. But all of a sudden, she began to see the revelation of what the angel was revealing to her. And she had insight into what he was saying. And she was willing to submit to it. In other words, she said, be it unto me according to thy word. Woo! And all of a sudden, in the midst of that dark time, when she almost lost her fiance, when people were talking about her, that Mary's pregnant and she's not married. That Mary's this, that, that, in the midst of that dark time. But guess what? Out of that darkness, she delivered somebody who would deliver her. I'm here to tell you that when God pulls the treasures of darkness out of your life, they're meant not only to bless others, but they're also to, to deliver you also. Woo! Help me this morning. There's something in you. I said there's something in you. I'm finishing with this. Three days Paul was in darkness. He walked around in the dark for three days. He was led by the men that he was once leading. He was led into the city of Damascus. God said, I'm going to tell you where to go and give you an instruction when you get there. When he got there, a man named Ananias came and visited him. Let me tell you what happened. In Paul's darkness, in Paul's stumbling around, in Paul's blindness, not only did God work and reveal in him, but God brought men to him. God brought people into his life while he was blind. He didn't choose them. He didn't go find them. 
God brought people into his life that were significant and helped change and shape the trajectory of his life. I'm telling you, in my darkest seasons, God brought men into my life. In my darkest seasons, there were people that God brought into my life, and there were men and friends that I had no idea were coming. I had no idea I was being led to them. I had no idea they were around. Aren't you thankful for the people God put in your life in your darkest hour? Aren't you glad you ended up where you were? Aren't you thankful for the people that God surrounded around you to bless you in your darkest hour who were men and women who helped change the trajectory of your life? Woo! Glory to God. I think right now, I can name several men. I thank God for Jerry Grant. Jerry Grant was a man that visited us in Arkansas in a dark hour of time when we were pastoring. I thank God for Pastor Kevin Millfield and for Pastor Don, uh, 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 Donald Jones. These men were significant in our life when we walked through a season when we weren't pastoring, but we were trying to find our way. It was a season of darkness, but God brought them into our life, and those men helped change the trajectory of our life. And I'm telling you, the reason God sent them is because why? He wanted to bring treasures. He wanted to bring treasures out of the darkness of what we were walking through. Woo! I thank God for people that God put in my life to help change the direction of my life. Thank God for my friends. Thank God for my friends. Thank God for my early friends when I didn't know nothing about Jesus. Thank God for Dave Dowie and Mike Ellis. Thank God for Michael Ryan and Tom Craner and Mike Rickey. Thank God for men like that in my life. Thank God for Cleddy Key. Thank God for Dan McCullough. Thank God for men in my life that I stumbled into in the midst of the darkness of my life when I did not understand the trajectory of my life. I hope you're hearing me this morning. I hope you're hearing my heart this morning because I'm telling you that out of the darkness, God will bring you into the light, but it's in the darkness he develops you. Woo! Glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. Woo! Hidden treasures. Hidden, hidden riches. You know what hidden riches are? You know what that means when it says that in Isaiah 45? Hidden riches. It means, it means riches that are personal in nature. In other words, they mean they're valuable to you. In other words, it's provision that you knew not was there. <laughs> How many gods brought provision to your life? And it wasn't until you got into the darkness that you realized that that provision was there. That that provision was there. Whew, my God. Some of you this morning... You're in darkness, and I'm telling you, though, don't worry about the darkness. God's pulling treasures out. But I'm also letting you know that in that darkness, there's provision that's there. There's provision that will come. There's, it, means, it means it's the substance not presently seen or previously seen. It's substance not previously seen. See, the enemy comes in and tries to enter through our senses, our eyes, our ears, our nose, our mouth. He tries to enter in through our senses. Woo! And what he does is, he, with our senses, he tries to contradict what the Spirit of God told us. So with our ears and with our eyes and with our senses, he tries to contradict the Word of God. But Saul gave up his eyesight that he might have insight. And my prayer this morning is, God, help me give up my eyesight, my natural eyesight, that you may give me revelation, that you may give me insight. 
Fast forward, Paul was able to say this to the Ephesians years later. He said, I pray that the eyes of your understanding might be enlightened. What does that mean? It means how you see the world. Paul saw the world through the prism of religion and started killing men, thinking he was doing the right thing. But what happened was God opened his eyes, caused him to be blind to the natural thing, opened his understanding and opened his spirit. And when his spirit got revelation, God corrected his life and out of the darkness brought him into the light. And all of a sudden, God used the man that hated Christians and hated God's people and was an enemy to God, turned him around, and now made him the most influential person in the Christian life who wrote most of the New Testament, who wrote most of the establishment of the doctrines of our faith. Let me end with this. Let me make you understand that your enemy has a purpose this morning. What comes at you, your enemy has a purpose this morning. Don't, don't, be too, don't be too hard on those that come against you. Your enemy has a purpose. And that enemy's attack on you drives you to a place that draws you closer to God. But don't give up on your enemies. That's why God says pray for your enemies. Why? Because there was a time when Paul was an enemy of the church and God got a hold of him, now made him a great leader in the church. You need to pray for people who come against you. You need to pray for people who attack you. You need to pray for people to come against the church that God would save them. I'm here to tell you the biggest atheist, the biggest unbeliever, the biggest attacker of the church can turn and become a blessing to the church of God. Just ask Josh McDowell, who was an atheist that attacked the church and God proved to him and turned his life around. Praise God. Your enemies have a purpose. Matter of fact, the Bible says God shall make your enemies his footstool. In other words, your enemies is what helps you step up to the next level. Your enemies push you into darkness, and in that darkness comes the treasures. And the treasures that come out of you help you step up to your next level in God. Hallelujah. I want you to think of this principle as we close. The principle of planting and burying. The principle of planting and the principle of burying. When you plant something and bury something, you do the same thing. Outwardly, you dig up. Outwardly, you put in, you put in the hole you dig. Outwardly, you cover it up. There is no difference between planting and burying up to that point. But the difference between burying and, and planting is that when you bury, you cover it up to stay. When you plant, you cover it up to change. And the Bible says this, If this text teaches us anything, it teaches us that people change. That people that we are to forgive. It teaches us that we have treasures in earthen vessels. It teaches us that we go into the darkness not to be buried, but we go into the darkness to come back out into the light. And some of you are in the midst of darkness this morning. And I'm here to tell you that you're about to come out into the light. Maybe you're watching this morning you don't know Christ as your Savior. I'm here to tell you it's your morning to come out of the darkness and into the light. You need Jesus this morning. If you're in your house this morning there's somebody that's watching with you and they don't know Christ, would you just, out of the goodness of your heart, out of your concern for their soul and eternity, 
Would you just turn to them and say, hey, do you know Jesus as your Savior this morning? And invite them to accept Christ. You know what's funny that during this life, it's not funny, but what's been amazing during this live stream is that we've had testimonies of many people making recommitments in their life and giving their life to Christ. And if you're watching this morning, the best decision you can make would be the decision that I made on March 1st, 1987 at Antioch Baptist Church, Antioch Road, Johnson City, Tennessee, at 10 minutes to 11, Classroom 102, Paul Garling preaching this message about Paul. It transformed my life. I'm here to tell you somebody's listening. Your life needs to be transformed. You're coming out of darkness into light this morning. There's some of you that are in the darkness, and I'm here to tell you that while you're in this darkness, God is pulling treasure out of you. And I'm here to tell you that Paul was willing to be blind so that he might have insight. I'm here to tell you that sometimes God has to blind you to this world so that he can reveal to you inside of you who he is. You know what darkness is? It's walking in the fog and not knowing where you're going. Darkness is the absence of something. It's the, it's the, it's the emptiness that comes. And some of you are living in darkness. There's the absence of something. Some of you are in darkness because you lost a loved one and there's a void in your heart. It's the absence of someone you love is gone. And I'm here to tell you that in this darkness, God is going to pull treasures out of that. Some of you are in darkness because of decisions that you made. You've suffered loss. You've suffered setback. You've suffered monetarily. You've suffered physically. But I'm here to tell you, God is pulling treasures. And he's got hidden riches. The hidden riches is provision that you knew not of. I'm telling you, provision can come by just a boy walking up with some fish and some loaves. And all of a sudden, God takes what is small and makes it big. God can bring provision in your life by just taking something simple and small and multiplying it in your life. It is supernatural. In other words, that's the hidden riches. It's provision that comes from God where we do not know where that provision comes from. I talked to you earlier about a season in our life where we felt like we were walking in a dark place. It was the time in between pastoring when I felt like I'd never pastor again. The spirit of religion had beat me down, had destroyed me, had come on me. I was depressed. I, was, I didn't know if I'd ever preach again. But I'm here to tell you that as I stumbled in blindness, in the fogness of trying to find direction, God brought men into my life, and out of that there was provision that came by the goodness and the kindness of the men that God brought into my life. I can name thousands of men. I'm telling you, I can name hundreds of men that have been a part of my life that I've been submitted to, that I've given my, that I've submitted my heart to, that has, that has challenged me and, and worked in my life and encouraged me. There's many. There's many. There's too many to name. Uh, it'd be offensive for me not to mention some of them, but I'm here to tell you I shared a few, but those were specific moments of specific times that those men were impacted in my life, that they had a voice in my life. Some of you, Part of this church has been refreshing to our lives, been encouraging to my life. You've been a refreshment. Paul, while he was in jail, had someone who loved him visit him on a daily basis. Paul said, for Onesimus, for he refresheth me daily. Who are you refreshing today? Paul chained in darkness, chained in the dungeon, chained in darkness. All of a sudden, somebody shows up and brings provision and hidden riches out of somewhere to bless. Who have you blessed today?
If you don't know Christ, we're going to pray this morning. Father, we thank you, Lord. Those that are listening, I pray that they'll pray this prayer. They'll ask Jesus into their heart and say, Lord, I'm a sinner and I need you. Lord, forgive me of my sin. Some of you this morning, you're walking in darkness. I pray, God, that treasure will come out of that, God. I pray that you'll work that treasure. God, bring those hidden riches forth. God, pull them. Show them, God. Just like you did the apostle Paul, you arrested him. Paul said it like this, I was apprehended by Christ. And some of you need to be apprehended by a spirit, overtaken by his power, overtaken by who he is this morning. Trust in Christ. Thankful to God that he has brought treasures out of darkness. Thank God for stopping the evil one who could have destroyed you and killed you, but you're alive. You know people who didn't make it, and you made it. That's the grace of God. That's God stopping the enemy from destroying you. How many have thanked God for what God has stopped in your life? Then always worried about what he can give you. I'm thankful for who he is. God, bring us out of this dark season. Bring the church out of this dark season, God. Bring the church out of this dark season and into the light. God, the treasures that are in us, let them come forth in the church right now. We pray this prayer. Those who pray it now, pray it in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Thank you for joining us for River Valley Community Church's podcast. If you feel led to give, you can click on the donation link in the description or visit our website at rivervalleymadison.com. If you've enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe or share with your friends. Thanks again for listening. God bless you.